I believe the nationals, by nationals I mean uh, pastors and missionaries from other nations, and especially in uh, uh, Indonesia, South, Af- uh, South Africa, or Africa rather, South America, Central America, in these nations, I believe they're a key in reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank God for the, the fire in the souls of these men that come into our nation who have a zeal for soul winning and training their men and sending them out to start churches. Uh, they've been sent out by a church. I'll tell you what, brethren, God's doctrine works any place. And it's the same wherever you go. I'll be going to India in just a very short time. I think I mentioned that in my Sunday school hour. And uh, I am so thankful that what I preach here preaches over there too. Amen. It's the same message, same book, and uh, same instructions from our Lord, and I thank God for that. So help ministries, again, just if I could just recap just a little bit. We bring about eight to ten men over here from different nations. I don't know if I'm wise to use third world nations or not, but that's, they come from poor nations. They don't have a lot. And uh, we bring them in here to be with us for about three months. And then what we do before they get here, we set up a bunch of meetings for them. So if they're in a, they're in a church every Sunday, Wednesday, sometimes it's a mission conference and something like that. They keep very busy for three months. We try to raise some support for them. They already have little, and they do much with little. I like what one national said. He said, whether you help us or not, we will continue to do what we're doing. But if you help us, we can do more. And that really sums up what we're trying to do. We're trying to help these men to be able to invest more in the ministry that God has given to them, their church, and training the men, and sending them out and starting more churches. By the way, these are church planters, and uh, that's what we need in America, and that's what we need around the world. So they're here for three months, and then we send them back home, and they get back into their work. So they're doing a work when they get here, and they go back and get back into that work and, and do more. They can do so much or so little. They speak the language, they eat the food, and they know the culture. Uh, if a trial comes into their life, they're already home, to be quite frank, or near home, and uh, they don't have to come all the way back home. And as pastor said, I am for any man that is called out of any of our churches to take the gospel to another part of the world. I'm for anyone. Amen? Uh, I'm, for, I'm for the American missionary. This is not to replace the American missionary. It is to, uh, it is to fulfill God's command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I want to talk about that a little bit tonight with you, because you are entering into, I believe, the most important meeting of your church. More important if you have business meetings here. It's more important than a business meeting. In fact, to be quite frank with you, it is a business meeting. And that's our mission conference, your mission conference that you're going to have starting Thursday and going on uh, to uh, Sunday. Setting your course for uh, 2019 and giving to missions by faith. I've been involved in Faith Promise Mission Giving uh, for 42 years. I, I, I believe in it. I'm sorry, not 42, 34 years. I was, I've been saved 42 the last time I count. It might be more than that now. But uh, I, I've always been involved. Tremendous what God has done through faith, promise, mission, giving. And with all that years of experience, and I'm still a student, by the way, I believe that a faith, promise, mission offering is giving a specific, sacrificial, abundant uh, offering to worldwide missions for uh, every week through my church, trusting in God and His promise to enable me and provide for me and care for me as I do it. You see, to me, the faith promise, we are the faith, God is the promise. We need to take God at His word and know that God will not only 
uh, take care of me, but he'll enable me to give my missions offering every week. Now, I realize for some it might not be every week because you don't get paid every week. It might be every other week or something like that. But he is the promise. I am the faith. And uh, I've seen God do some wonderful things with that. So I'll tell you what, folks. I'll be praying for this week coming up. Uh, I wish churches across America would get involved in faith promise mission giving. <laughs> I had a preacher at one church. He asked me to come to a mission conference. And, and I said, okay. I said, you do, you do practice faith promise mission giving, don't you? And he said, no. I said, you don't? He said, no. I said, what do you do? He said, well, we give a percentage of our general fund to missions. I said, oh, okay. Uh, what's that percentage? He said, 45%. Now, that's pretty good. And uh, I said, okay. I said, well, let me ask you something. Do you want that 45% to get bigger this year than it was last year? He said, yes. I said, okay. So I just preached faith, promise, mission, giving. Because <laughs> that's the key. Amen. Well, I want to I ask, in light of your mission conference coming up, I want to ask you a question to think about as I preach tonight. And um, prayerfully, you'll have an answer that's not just your answer, but it's God's answer. And the question is a very simple one. What is your vision for worldwide missions? What is your vision for worldwide missions? Now, do you understand, for every vision that one, uh, someone might have, there needs to be scripture behind that vision. I'll be frank with you. I'm not much impressed with visions that have no Bible to it. God's word has to be the cause of that vision. And so my question to you tonight is, what is your vision for worldwide missions? If someone was to ask you, define for me what worldwide missions is to you, what would you say to them? What's your burden for worldwide missions? I want to show you God's vision tonight. God has a vision for worldwide missions. So we're going to look uh, at three places, maybe more. But if you open your Bibles tonight, turn me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And I like to do this just to kind of move things along. And uh, when you find Matthew 28, just put a marker in there. Amen? Just put a marker in there. And uh, then what I want you to do is turn over to Acts chapter 2. So Matthew 28, put a marker in there. Now men, if you don't have anything in your Bible to put a marker in, Ask the lady next to you. I, I guarantee you she's got things in her Bible that she'll have a marker for you. Amen? And so you can borrow hers. All right? So Matthew 28, Acts chapter 2. And then when you get to Acts chapter 2, I want you to put a marker in there too. And then swing back with me to Mark chapter 16. So Matthew 28, Acts chapter 2. And then we're going to start reading tonight from Mark chapter 16. Now, I believe a church like this one, we, we're going to be familiar with some scripture that we look at tonight. In Mark chapter 16, we have a risen Savior. How many are glad for that? Amen. I'll be frank with you. If Jesus was not risen, I wouldn't be here. He is alive. And one day, we who are saved are, are going to look upon Him. Amen? And uh, we'll be with Him forevermore. And the day He rose from the dead, He came back to that church that He was building while He was here on this earth. And I want you to read with me, beginning in verse 14. The Bible says, afterward, Mark 16, verse 14, Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen them after he was risen. And he said to them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Why don't you especially focus tonight with me on verse 15, where the Lord Jesus said very plainly to the church, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let's pray. Our Father, I want to thank you tonight for the opportunity of being here. 
It's good to be back at this church. Lord, I have followed the, the, this church from the day that you put uh, in my brother's heart to come to New York City and to purchase that building. And, and, and we've seen one miracle after another at this church. Your hand of blessings has been rich upon this church. And Father, I believe the key to that blessing is their love and desire for getting the gospel throughout the world. And I pray tonight, Lord, as we prepare for that mission conference to come and, and uh, as they prepare for that, that this message tonight, that you would take it and apply it to our hearts, that we might have a vision for missions that you would approve of, and that, Father, you'll even do greater things yet in the days to come. And, Lord, I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, I praise God that I got saved through the influence of a Baptist church. I was 18 years old. Uh, never heard the gospel. Never heard the gospel. And uh, there's a certain lady when I was graduating from high school that uh, she impressed me. And uh, I thought, I'd like, to, I'd like to know her. And so I went to her and I said, uh, could, could, I, could, I, uh, could I see you sometime? She said, yes, you can. She said, come to church. I said, well, where do you go to church? She said, I go to Perry Baptist Church, which, by the way, is in New York State. I'm a Yankee. No, I guess I'm not. If I'm in New England, I'm not a Yankee. I don't know. But I'm from New York. All right? And I said, well, okay, I'll be there. After I left her, I got thinking, hmm, Perry Baptist Church. I've heard about that church. They're a bunch of nuts. You can't have any fun whatsoever. But I wanted to see this girl, so I went. Now, when I got there, uh, the preacher started preaching. I got there about it. She wanted me there at 10 o'clock. You know what that meant, don't you? Sunday school. So I had to sit through Sunday school in the morning service. Well, when that preacher got in that pulpit, I had a feeling that she told this preacher some things about me. Because it seemed like all he did was preach at me. You see, I was brought up in a cult. I was brought up as a Christian scientist. And uh, don't, don't take that too serious. I wasn't very serious in it. But that's what I was if you ask me what I was. It's a cult. It's a devilish doctrine that's sending people to hell. It's, it's evil. It's wrong. Well, that was my upbringing. And so when that preacher started talking about sin, I didn't like that. When he started talking about the wages of sin is death, I liked that less. And when he went on and talked about hell, I didn't like that. And he talked about Jesus and being the, uh, God in the, uh, in the flesh, I didn't like that either. And when he talked about the Lord's mission to come to this world to die for our sins and to rise from the dead, I was not impressed with him. I couldn't wait for that man to get done so I could get out of there. I was determined, as soon as I get out of here, I'm never coming back again. Well, we got to the back of the door. You know how the pastor stands back there and greets people? And there he is waiting for me. Boy, I'm upset with this guy. I thought, who is he to tell me I'm going to hell? And what is this hell? See, we, don't believe, we didn't believe in that stuff. We didn't believe heaven and hell. We didn't even believe this Bible is the inspired word of God. Just a good book. You can't, you can't trust everything and it's true. I mean, that's what I was brought up in. I got to the back door and this lady introduced me to, to the pastor. And he said, well, John, it's so good to have you here. He said, are you coming back tonight? I thought, Tonight? I sat two hours in church. You mean to tell me you've got another service tonight? Now, I didn't say that to him. I was thinking it. And remember, I was upset with him. I looked at him. I looked at this girl. I looked at him, and I looked at this girl. I looked at him. I looked at this girl, and I said, I'll be back. And I did. And the Holy Spirit kept drawing me back to that church and working in my heart and bring me to the place where I... I saw my righteousness as filthy rags. I saw that I had sinned against a, a holy God. And in that holiness, his justice demands the sentence of hell, eternal hell, lake of fire. And I came to that place where I realized that's what I deserve. But then there was the love of God. 
whereby he sent his son to die for my sins, a sinless lamb of God without blemish, and shed his blood for me and rise from the dead. And through Jesus Christ, I can have God's pardon. I can have God's forgiveness. I can be born again, the child of God. And nearly a year later, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, all that came to me through the influence of a Baptist church. I realize you can get saved outside of a Baptist church. I understand that. But I thank God that I was saved through the influence of a Baptist church. And by the way, I better say this because I usually forget to say this. That lady, she became my wife. Amen. And let me tell you why I praise God that I got saved in the Baptist church. Number one, I believe a true New Testament Baptist church is the Lord's church. I believe that. I believe what we are doing here tonight, what we do throughout the week, brethren, we have Bible for what we do. We are a church of the living God. This church does belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul said to Timothy, if I tarry long, that thou may know how thou to behave thyself in the house of God, which is a church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, he was talking about open door Bible Baptist Church. This is the Lord's church. That's why I'm glad I was saved under the influence of a Baptist church. I belong to the Lord's church. By the way, you don't get saved by belonging to church. You get saved by believing in Jesus. Number two, our church membership is Bible doctrine. We are a company of believers brought together by the Lord. Through faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, followed by believers' baptism. That's what makes a membership of this church. Amen? And number three, our doctrine is Bible doctrine. Hey, listen, when your pastor walks in this pulpit, there's only one book he carries in this pulpit. It's the Word of God. This is what he preaches from. He doesn't preach from the church fathers. Amen? I have one father. His name is God the Father. And uh, you have we, everything we do and everything we believe uh, is based on the Word of God. That's why we believe and do what we do. But let me give you the fourth reason why I'm glad that I saved under the influence of a Baptist church. The Lord Jesus promised to reproduce His churches throughout the ages to come until He comes to take us out of here. Until He comes to take us out of here. Go back to Matthew chapter 28, another text uh, that the Lord Jesus gave when He rose from the dead to His church. Drop down to verse 18 with me. The Bible says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, based on my authority, based on my power, go ye therefore, church, and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then he said this, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, brethren, the end of the world for you and I is when Jesus comes back to take us out of here. Now, I may die and go to be with him before that happens, but he could come back tonight. Who'd say amen to that? He could. This could be the night of the Lord's return. But that would be the end of the world for us. But wait a minute. Until that comes, he's in the business of reproducing his churches. He's in the business of reproducing his churches. There's never been a time on this earth that the Lord's churches have not been here. Every generation has had the presence of the Lord's churches. And I've got good news for you. His churches are found throughout the world tonight. They're found in these communist countries. They may be underground churches, but I guarantee you, they are there. All through the world tonight. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, we're told that Jesus Christ is the head of the body of the church. Aren't you glad that the head of this church is not some mortal, corruptible man, but the head of this church is the immortal, incorruptible Son of God? That ought to get an amen out of you. Amen? And not only that, but your headquarters is not some city in this world. Praise God, it's not Rome. Amen? Praise God, it's not Nashville, Tennessee. Praise God, your headquarters is the throne of God in the heavenly city. 
And as the head of your church, he's brought you together. He adds to you with purpose, with a command. And what is that command? Go throughout the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And baptize the new believers. And add them to the church. And teach them the commandments of Christ. And, don't miss this, reproduce churches around the world that will go do likewise. Praise God for the good fellowship of this church. I trust you haven't. I haven't been around you very much. I had to leave you this morning and go downstairs. But uh, I trust you have good fellowship here. I trust you look forward to seeing each other when you come. I trust you're an encourager to each other. And you need the friendship and the fellowship of each other. And praise God for all that. But brethren, don't ever replace that as the purpose of this church. The purpose of this church is one thing. Going to all the world and preach the gospel to every person. And baptize the new believers. And add them to the church. And teach the commandments of Christ. And reproduce churches who will go do likewise. And you know, for the most part, we have done a, uh, we have, we've had a vision to go into the world and preach the gospel. We endeavor to evangelize our community and to send God-called missionaries out of our churches throughout the world. I've been involved in missions for 42 years. And uh, my model has been this. Missions is a heartbeat of the church. Who say amen to that? You know why missions is a heartbeat of the church? Because it's the heartbeat of God. Amen? I've been around. And I'm sorry to say, but I'm seeing some churches where they've lost the heartbeat for missions. And they're suffering for it. They're slowly dwindling down to nothing because they've lost the heartbeat for missions. Praise God, this church has a heartbeat for missions. Don't take it for granted. Don't look to your past and praise God for what He's done and stay in the past. Look to the present and the future for what God still wants to do and will do if only you'll have the heartbeat of missions. The heartbeat of missions. Praise God for the great mission endeavors of our churches throughout the ages in America. You know, a lot of these nationals that I bring to uh, before the pulpit, uh, they have a testimony that either the grandfather or the father of these national pastors was an American missionary. An American missionary. You follow what I'm saying? Uh, they, they go back to, they can point back to some American missionary that came to their village and preached the gospel of Christ. I had a man by the name of Stephen here back in February, who I'm going to see in northeast India. Uh, his grandfather, uh, they were headhunters. This tribe was headhunters up in northeast India. They, had, they hunted for heads, okay? And not monkeys, human heads. And they would take those heads and, and they would put them on their huts. And how many heads they had on the huts determined their status in that tribe. One day, an American missionary came and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And before it was finished, that whole tribe got saved and they quit hunting heads. Praise God for our American missionaries. Praise God for the great outreach that they've had. But brethren, here's what I want us to see tonight. We're losing ground. We're losing ground. What do you mean by that? Well, the population has increased to 7.6 billion people. And there are over 3 billion people that have never heard the gospel just once. Over 3 billion. That's nearly one half of the population. How can that be in this great age of mass communication that we live in, that there can be over 3 billion people that have never heard the gospel? 57% of the world languages today does not have a completed Bible translation. Over 3,000 spoken languages of the day don't even have a portion of God's Word in their language. 
Out of every two American missionaries sent to the mission field, one comes back within two years. The United States, once the, the leading nation for sending multitude of missionaries throughout the world, has now become a mission field with missionaries from other nations coming here. I've witnessed it. I've gone to the airport to pick up speakers. I always did that. Uh, I didn't let anyone else do that. When I had speakers at my church, I was the one to get them. I did it for two reasons. Number one, I could fellowship with them. And uh, especially if I didn't know them very well, I'd get to know them better. And number two, I could take them out to dinner, and the church would pay for it. So I kind of like that. But, uh, so, but I've been to the airport for three times. I've seen missionaries coming to this country. Some from Japan, some from Korea, many from the Philippines. And brethren, we've become a mission field today. We're losing ground. We're losing ground. More and more nations are becoming hostile towards our nation. And they're even hindering American missionaries and even closing the doors to our missionaries. But yet, may I remind you what Peter said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12? Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We do understand tonight that there's only one way to heaven. All roads don't lead to heaven. Just one road leads to heaven. And that road is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And if a sinner never hears about Jesus Christ and he dies in his sins, the wages of sin is death, period. There's nothing that follows that verse. It's over. And he must, uh, he must suffer an eternal hell as God's righteous judgment for his sin. And yet, we read in the Bible that uh, God's soul of the world, that's everyone. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And yet multitude of souls whom Jesus died for are dying as I talk, never hearing the gospel and going to an eternal hell because the gospel didn't get to them. We're falling behind. We really are. We're not reaching the world. We're not reaching the world. And then we might ask ourselves, why are we falling behind? I've given a lot of thought to this. And uh, why are we falling behind? Well, could it be because of a 7.6 billion population? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people to reach for the gospel of Christ. And my answer to that is no, that's not the problem. Listen, God does not give us the command that we can't keep by His grace. If He said go out throughout the world, we can go throughout the world by His grace. It don't matter if the population is 10 billion people. That is not the problem. Could it be the problem is that we're suffering from a lack of God-called missionaries in America? And by the way, I don't know what's happening here. But across America, there's a famine of God-called missionaries out of our church. Young men are not surrendering like they used to. Uh, I remember, and I know, the good old days. I maybe got the good old days. But I remember when I was going to Tennessee Temple in Highland Park Baptist Church back in the uh, early 70s. And, and uh, people, uh, mid-70s, and the service didn't go by with men walking down the aisle and surrendering to the mission field. We don't have that today. We have men surrendering, but not like it used to be. But that's not the problem. Could it be the problem is that we just don't have the resources? You know, it's kind of tough in America, isn't it? And, uh, you know, uh, the finances are tight. That's not the problem either. Haggai 2.8, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith Lord of hosts. There's plenty of resources to reach the world. That's not the problem. I believe the problem is back in Mark 16, verse 15. Turn there real quick. Let me show you what I believe the problem is. The problem is simply this. Look at that verse again. Where Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, I want you to notice three words there. To every creature. There's the problem right there. What do you mean, preacher? Well, you see, when we think of missions, 
we think of the world. Right? Right? We think of the world. But do we think of every person throughout the world? You see, we have limited the Lord's command to take the gospel to the world instead of every person throughout the world. We have a burden to reach the world with the gospel instead of every person throughout the world. We, have a, we labor to reach the world with the gospel instead of every person throughout the world. And that's why there's three billion plus people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why there's over 3,000 languages, well, even a portion of God's Word in their language, because we have a world vision, but not an every creature throughout the world vision. And God said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, when I moved to East Haven, Connecticut, back in 79, I was determined to get the gospel to every person. I would knock on those doors and try to get the gospel into that home. And, and I was determined to do that. That was, my, that was my vision. That was my mission. But somewhere along the way, I lost that zeal. Somewhere along the way, I changed every creature and settled just for the world. And brethren, you're looking at a guy that believes in missions. You can check my record. I believe in getting the gospel throughout the world. But I lost that vision for every person to receive the gospel. And I dare say in this room tonight, you, we've, we've got people here, you have a burden to get the gospel throughout the world, but if I was to ask you to find the world, you would say the world's this nation, and the world's that nation, and the world's this nation, and not once would you say every person throughout the world. We need to have an every person vision, because God has an every person command. And that's the problem in America today. Well, there's a greater urgency and a burden to labor for the work, when every person is our vision Instead of just the world. When every person's our vision, it's, it's kind of it's kind of hard to walk by people without bothering you just a little bit, wondering, are they saved? Have they ever heard the gospel? I mean, brethren, let's face it. We can get so busy in our walk of life that we let people by the hundreds pass by us uh, throughout a day, not once thinking about their eternal soul because we're too busy doing what we need to do. But I guarantee you, if we would guard, if we would get and guard and keep, and every person's vision, the Holy Spirit would have so much more liberty in our life to touch our hearts for people going by us and perhaps giving them a track or just saying a kind word to them or, or sharing the gospel with them. We need to have an every person vision. You say, well, preacher, that sounds good, but that's, that's just you saying that. No, that's what the Bible teaches. The churches in the book of Acts had an every person vision and they reached every person in their day. They reached every person. With the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to show you that quickly. Go over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're familiar with this chapter, I suspect. It's the day of Pentecost. It was one of the feasts of Israel. Celebrating the giving of the law. The day of Pentecost. And uh, uh, they, they go to Jerusalem for that feast. And if you look at Acts chapter 2 and look at verse 5 with me. The Bible says, There were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of Every nation under heaven. Now, brethren, do you believe God means what he says? Can you, can you take God at his word? If God said there was Jews out of every nation under heaven, does that mean there are Jews out of every nation under heaven? Yes. Every nation. Isn't it interesting the Bible would say that? Now, you know the story. The power of the Holy Spirit came on the church to do the work of God. They began to uh, uh, declare the wonderful works of God in languages from where these Jews came from. And pretty soon they had a big crowd there. There was at least 3,000 there, maybe more. 
And they were hearing of the wonderful works of God in their language, knowing that these men were Galileans, and they wondered, how, how were they able to do this? And then Peter stood up, and he preached the gospel. And if you drop down to verse 41, the Bible says, Then they that gladly received this word. You know what that means? They got saved. I was glad when I got saved. How about you? Oh, that burden of guilt was lifted off of me. Praise God, I was glad. I've never met a sad Christian, getting someone sad over getting saved. But they went a step further. They that gladly received this word were baptized. And the same day there added unto them, that's the Lord's church, about 3,000 souls. Now think about this, folks. 3,000 people got saved that day. They not only got saved, they got baptized. I'll be frank with you, that's not my record. I've seen a lot of decisions for Christ, a lot of decisions over the years. But I'll be frank with you, the ratio to those that have gotten baptized is not, as high, not very high. But I've seen a lot of decisions. You know what I'm trying to say? But here's 3,000 people that got saved and baptized, added to the church. And here's my question to you. Where did they come from? They didn't come from Jerusalem. <clears throat> we were already told where they came from. Every nation under heaven. I have a name for them. You know what I call them? I call them nationals. Because, you see, they weren't from Jerusalem. They're from another nation. And they came to celebrate the feast of Pentecost, and they got saved. Look at verse 42 with me. The Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Do you know what the apostles' doctrine is? That's what I'm doing here tonight, preaching the Word of God. The apostles were the first pastors of that church, and they were preaching and teaching the Word of God. What do you think they were teaching them? Well, let's see. Jesus said, teaching them all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So, commandments. I think they taught them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Because that's a commandment of Christ. And with that in mind, go over to Acts chapter 8 with me and drop down to verse 3. While you're turning there, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen was stoned to death. The first martyr that we have recorded in the book of Acts. There's a young man there by the name of Saul. And they laid their coats at his feet, which meant that he gave permission. He approved of their stoning Stephen. He was a Pharisee. We know who he was. He was a mean man. He hated the way. He was determined to stamp out uh, the way, the Christianity. And uh, he was a murderer. He didn't just approve of the murder of Stephen, but if you follow his record in the Bible, you'll find that he murdered other people as well who were Christians. He threw people in jail. He put people on the, uh, children on the streets. And he was persecuting the church. Look at verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hauling men and women, committed them to prison. Now look at verse 4. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere preaching the word. They didn't just go somewhere preaching the word. They went everywhere preaching the word. They didn't just go someplace just to get away from the persecution and try to settle into a life where they wouldn't get persecuted again. No, they went out preaching everywhere. And my question to you tonight is, who were they that went out preaching everywhere? But let me say this before I answer that. They had an every creature vision. That's what they were taught. They had a burden for every person receiving the gospel. That's why they went everywhere preaching the gospel. And who were they? Who were they? Well, we know the church well, at Jerusalem was still there. And I suspect probably there were some residents at Jerusalem that went. But I believe the majority of these people that went out were the nationals who went back to their nation and the regions beyond with a command and a vision 
to preach the gospel to every creature and reproduce churches who went throughout their nation and the regions beyond with a command and a vision to preach the gospel to every creature and reproduce churches who went throughout their nation and the regions beyond with a command and a vision that preached the gospel to every creature and reproduce churches who went throughout their nation and the regions beyond with a command and a vision to preach the gospel to every creature and reproduce uh, churches who went throughout their nation and the regions beyond with a command to and a vision to preach the gospel to every creature and reproduce churches with a command and a vision to preach the gospel to every creature and reproduce churches that go do likewise. Now go over to Acts chapter 9 with me and see the result of disobedience, their obedience. See the result of it with me. In Acts chapter 9, praise God, Saul got saved. <laughs> Listen, no man's too hard to get saved, amen? No man's too wicked to get saved. Jesus came to die for the sins of all people. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But if you drop down to verse 31, Saul has just gotten saved. This is right after Saul's conversion. The Bible says, then had the churches. Isn't that interesting? We go from church at Jerusalem, now we got churches. But it gets better. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. Isn't that interesting? Now there's churches all over the place. But it gets better. And they were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Multiplied. Oh, what does that mean? It means that they were, pop, they were, they were, they were if I use the expression, they were popping up in, in, in bunches all over the world. Not just one at a time, but multitude of churches were, were appearing all over the world. And where do these churches come from? They didn't come from Paul's journeys. He hasn't even started yet. He just got saved. Where did they come from? Well, I think you could trace them back to the nationals who went throughout their nation and regions beyond with a command and a vision to preach the gospel to every creature and reproduce churches who went throughout their nation and the regions beyond with a command and a vision to preach the gospel to every creature and reproduce churches who went throughout their nation and regions beyond with a command and a burden to preach the gospel to every creature and churches were multiplied. And brethren, hear me on this. If we're ever going to reach 7.6 billion population, which by the way is constantly growing, if we're ever going to reach our generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, churches must be multiplied throughout the world. That's the only way it's going to happen. God's plan is to reach the world through his churches. And we need to see God's churches multiplied. And I believe we're starting to see it. I believe we're seeing it in our day. But let's go to uh, uh, Acts chapter 19 and real quick and look at verse 10. What did Paul teach? Now, when we think of Acts, we think of the Apostle Paul, don't we? If we talk about missions. He's a man that, uh, three missionary journeys. I can remember when I was in college, I had to outline all those missionary journeys in a map and do a paper on it and what have you. He's a missionary of the book of Acts. What did he teach the people who were saved under his ministry? If you drop down to verse 10 of chapter 19, Paul is two years in the city of Ephesus. And follow along with me. The Bible says, And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Did you get it? All they that dwelt in Asia heard the word of God, both Greeks and Jews. Listen, all they means everyone. 
Asia is a big area. How on earth did every person in Asia hear the, the word of God? I'll tell you how. Because they had a command and a vision to take the gospel to every person throughout the world. Every church that Paul started, he taught them that. And they multiplied themselves. Multiplied themselves. Multiplied their churches. So that every person throughout Asia heard the word of God. And just in case we didn't catch it, God said both Jews and Greeks. You know what a Jew is? That's a non-Greek. That's a non-Greek. Amen? And what is a Greek? He's a non-Jew. That includes everyone. And every person in the book of Acts, or excuse me, in, the, in, 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 nation, in, in Asia, heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. How is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. They had a command. And they had a vision to take the gospel to every person. But let me show you one other place. We're almost done. Go to First Thessalonians chapter 1. Now, Paul was used of God to organize the church of Thessalonica on his second missionary journey. And he's writing a letter to them. And he tells them, in verse 6, just to save some time, you became followers of us, First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word of much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you are in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. You were examples to others. For from you sound out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia, that's where Thessalonica was located, and Achaia, that bordered Macedonia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, I watch this, so that we need not speak anything. Do you realize what Paul is saying? Paul who said... Uh, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul, who said, woes unto me if I preach not the gospel of Jesus Christ, he was telling the church, I have been where you've already been. And, and you've been so thorough and, and getting the gospel to every person that I really don't have to say anything. It's already been done. Now, wait a minute. Paul still said something <laughs> because people need the Lord. Amen. But his point was simply this. You've been here. You've done such a thorough job. If I chose to not say anything, the job got done because you did it. How did they do it? They had a command and a vision for every person to receive the gospel. You know, some say that every person is just another way of saying the world. And God did not literally mean every creature, every person. And if that was so, then why did Jesus say, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? You see, I think he meant what he said. Every person needs to receive the gospel. Some say, well, you, you need to understand every creature uh, refers to those of the known world. The known world. K-N-O-W-N. <laughs> known world. Because we cannot phantom every person throughout the world receiving the gospel. I mean, that's just mind-boggling. We can't phantom that. How can that be? And yet, Paul said to the church at Rome, in chapter 1, verse 8, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Whole world means all the world. And I think we would agree tonight that God's will is for every person to receive the gospel. Whether they receive it or not, God's will for them to receive it. He so loved the world. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord's not slack concerning his promise. What's the promise? He's coming again. But he's long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus died for all people, not just for a few. And the Lord has commanded his churches, like this church, Open Door Bible Baptist Church, 
every uh, generation of churches, to take the gospel to every person throughout the world and reproduce churches who will go do likewise. And here's what I want to conclude with, and I hope that we'll understand tonight. If we're going to reach every person with the gospel of Christ in this generation, then God will use his Baptist churches throughout the world. Throughout the world. I told you earlier, they're, they're, they're throughout the world tonight. They really are. They're in China. Amen. They're in these communist nations. They're there. They're underground. They have to meet in secret. But they're multiplying. They're growing. Praise God. They're all around the world. And God will use His churches all around the world to reach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, listen to this, God never called America to reach the world. He called His churches to reach the world. And we Baptist churches who live in the richest nation of the world, we need to have an every creature vision. We need to have an every creature burden. And we need to financially support not only our American missionaries that God calls to go, but also the national missionaries, pastors and missionaries that God sends our way. We need to get behind them prayerfully and get behind them financially. You know, um, I've been to India. I've been to Mexico. I've been to Peru. Um, even been to the communist, the, the, no longer communist nation, but Bulgaria, and seen what the effect of communism on the people and what it has done to them. And I must admit to you, my friend, we are very well off in America. <laughs> I must admit to you, you may not like this, but we're rich. Oh, preacher, you don't know my financial status. No, I don't, but I know this. You're very well off when compared to the rest of the world. And you know what? This week coming up, as you pray and wait upon God to show you what to do in this coming year for missions, He's going to show you some things that you can sacrifice for Him. Maybe some dreams that you might have had for yourself that you wanted to do. But God's going to impress your heart. No, I'm going to give to missions that people around the world will get saved. There's going to be some things He's going to call upon you to sacrifice. Maybe you'll have to cut down on coffee for one cup, uh, one cup a day instead of five. I don't know. Well, I'm trying to say to you tonight, listen, we've been blessed in America. And I believe we've been blessed in our churches with a purpose. To give to missions. To get behind these nationals. They're a key. They're not the key, but they're one of the keys by which to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I challenge you tonight. I challenge you, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I'll answer thee. This next week, call on the Lord. Don't, don't take this on yourself. Don't you try to figure it out all by yourself. Get God in it. Call unto me and I'll answer thee, he said. But don't forget the rest of the verse. And I'll show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He's going to impress you this coming week of the need of the hour. I hope he'll impress you with an every creature vision. And with the ever-creature vision and the need of the hour, he's going to show you what he will do through you if only you will trust him. If you'll give the faith, he'll take care of you. He'll even enable you to give that mission offering. He'll enable you to do that, and he'll provide for you. But you've got to provide the faith. And so I close tonight asking you, what is your vision for worldwide missions? What is it? Is it just the world? not enough. It needs to be God's vision, God's command 
every person throughout the world. Do you see the difference tonight? I pray that you do. I pray before I ever preach this message, whenever I preach it. This is a message I want to take the churches across America. And I just pray, God, help us to understand that your desire is for every person. Therefore, it must be our desire. And then we'll surrender our hearts to it. And by the way, you've got to work to keep that vision. We live in a, in a world that distracts us from what God has us here for. And it's so easy to, to, to change that every person back to the world and be content with what you're doing in reaching the world when you ought to be endeavoring to reach every person with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last year I came up here to, uh, well actually up to Albany, New York, uh, where I pastored, Middleburg, New York. I was asked to speak at the Northeast Sea Line Conference. That was a ministry that was started while I was there. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, putting the scriptures together. And so they asked me to come and speak. I think it was 30th year or something like that. And uh, so on my way up, I, I made good time from Georgia till I got up into uh, New York, up near Canajahari. How many of you know where Canajahari is? Okay, most of you don't, do you? It's up there in New York someplace. I guarantee it. No, it's up near, it's up near, uh, um, I mean, you know where Rome is? Rome, New York. Okay, how many of you know where New York City is? Okay, amen, praise the Lord. I guarantee you it's up there. And uh, full of Amish people. How many of you know what an Amish person is? Okay, an Amish person has a very strange belief. They need to be saved. And uh, they believe that they're saved by not doing. And you know, just they don't have cars and what have you. Their transportation is a horse and buggy. Okay? So I got behind one of those. I forgot all about those people. We don't have them in Georgia. And uh, they have, the law says they have their right to the half of the road. They don't have to get off to the side and let you get by. They're, they're to be treated like a car. Have you ever tried to pass a horse and buggy on a busy road? And so I'm trying to get by that horse and buggy, getting more impatient. By the way, when you get older, you get more impatient. You really do. My wife is working on me. Amen. Uh, so I'm trying to get by that, that buggy. Finally, I get by. <laughs> and I think to myself, oh, I'm so glad I'm not Amish. I'd never get to where I have to get to. And then God impressed my heart. Now, he didn't speak to me verbally. But when I thought of that, he gave me this thought. Basically, again, he didn't speak to me verbally. But he impressed my heart with John. Back in the book of Acts, some had a horse, but many did not. Back in the book of Acts, some had a horse and buggy, but many did not. But everyone had two feet. And they had a command from their master to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And they took that command with a vision. And they did it. If they did all that with just two feet and a few horses and a few buggies, we have no excuse for not reaching the world, every person with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we need to make sure is that we have an every person vision. I hope you're saved tonight. I hope there's a day in your life you could point to where you came to that place and you recognize that you were a lost hell-bound sinner deserving of God's judgment of eternal hell. But then you responded to God's love. And that love is Calvary, Jesus Christ. For God so loved us that he sent his son, that perfect lamb of God without blemish, 
that went to the cross and became our blemish for us, took all of our sin upon himself, suffered like no man ever has suffered, never will suffer, suffered spiritually, separated from the Father. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Bled for us and then died. But before he died, he said, it is finished. Those words tell us that Jesus satisfied God's judgment for our sins. And he rose from the dead. There's the proof that what he did on the cross will save any sinner. If only he'll come to Jesus by faith. There's only one way you can come to him. Not through this church. Can't join it and get saved. You've got to come to him as a sinner in need of the Savior. I'm a help. I deserve God's judgment. But God's love offers me life, eternal life. And you reach out by faith and trust and make that decision of faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior. I hope you're saved tonight. Man, if you're not, you're missing. You're missing the blessings of God. The greatest blessings would be in heaven. Who say amen to that? But, oh, my, the blessings of God has for you today. Let me encourage you, if you're not, get saved. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for our study tonight. Lord, I thank you that, that this church has been used for you to do great things for missions. And, Lord, uh, just talking to pastor and hearing uh, uh, what uh, has been done and looking at that list tonight, uh, the missionaries around the world, that is precious, dear God. Praise your name. Praise your name for the testimony of this church and their caring for others. But, Father, could it be tonight we just need to stretch our faith and we need to stretch our vision to not just the world, but every person throughout the world. Starting right outside those doors, that's where the world is. The world's right around here and beyond. And Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray you would impress upon our hearts the need to have a Bible vision for missions. The gospel to every person. Maybe tonight, Father, we need to make some decisions. We need to change our vision from, not, from the world to every person throughout the world. And I pray we would do that. I pray we do it tonight and be ready for the conference that's coming. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And Lord, for someone not saved tonight, oh dear God, I pray. Holy Spirit, draw them unto Jesus. May they get saved tonight. I ask these things in Christ. Amen. Brother Pastor, amen.